Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 18 as we begin a new series this morning. Been anxiously awaiting the moving of God to speak to me to move into a different series. I'm working on a series on grace, working on a series on healing, working on a series on this fundamental truths that you need to know as a believer. And uh, this morning, I want to start a new series. Not entirely sure if you wouldn't mind allowing me the freedom to uh, name the series or change it as we move along. But for now, we're calling it Living the Supernatural Life of Multiplication. Living the Supernatural Life of Multiplication. Take your Bibles. You're there. Exodus 18, starting in verse 1. We'll read through uh, verse 27. My God. Hallelujah. If you didn't get your reading in, I'm going to help you right now. And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all. He did what? He heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought them out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zephorah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Now he said to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife, and her two sons with her. There's obviously something wrong. The family's been separated. And you can study into that as Moses was on the way uh, earlier to go be the deliverer. The Lord sought to kill him. It's one of the most bizarre verses of Scripture. The reason the Lord sought to kill him, we can understand from the text, is that Moses did not follow through in circumcising his son and his sons. And as a result of that, Having not followed through, I guess the Lord was going to kill him and raise somebody else up. Anyway, Zipporah got busy, and then the Lord healed him. Verse 7, so they'd been separated since that time. So now, verse 7, so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being, and they went into the tent. Verse 8, and Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done. Pay close attention now, all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for the Israel's sake. All of the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 10, and Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know, verse 11, what? Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the other gods, for in the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. Verse 12, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices. Basically, he's getting saved right here. He becomes a believer. Let's move to verse 13. And so it was the next day that Moses sat down to judge all the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning till evening. You thought you had a long Sunday. It was even longer, and he did it every day. 
millions of people. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he had done, he said, this thing that you're doing for the people, it, 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 why do you sit alone? And all the people stand before you from morning to evening. And Moses said to the father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And they have difficulty. So they're looking for wisdom. Verse, verse 17, so Moses' father-in-law said to him, this thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people are with you. Surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you, and you are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice, and I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. I love it. The guy basically gets saved, and all of a sudden he has the wisdom of God. That's really what happens. Verse 20, and you shall teach them the statutes of the laws and show them by the way that they must walk and the work they must do. Verse 21, moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, Men of truth, hating covetousness, and placing such overs to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be at the very great matter they can, with the very great matters they can bring to you. Let's 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 close, uh, or rather pray. Father, thank you. Move in power. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to say this again as we move into uh, as we move into this text and as the fan gets turned on inside the sanctuary. I want you to say this with me. I am blessed and I will multiply. Say it again. I am blessed and I will multiply. I want to preach to you a message entitled Teams. Teams. Some keys to multiplication and how to live in the blessing of God. You can't do it by yourself. God has given this church, our church, a mandate. Now, I need to say this, that the, the framework of this message was originally preached by my pastor, our senior pastor, Dr. James Morocco. I was visiting uh, some leaders, great people in our church, and as I was over their house before I ended up on the floor weeping in the presence of God, I got to hear a prophetic word that was spoken over them, and the power of God hit us, and I was on their carpet. Not sure what they thought about that. I think they thought it was okay. Weeping for the accuracy of the prophetic word. I mean, it's just like, what? Man, God hears everything, and he's in, in, in control of every infinitesimal detail. And so as I heard that, I mean, my response was like the fear of the Lord, and let's just get low. I couldn't help but just weep. As I got up, or maybe it was just before that, I forget exactly, I saw notes on their table, and it said the Jethro Principle. It instantly jumped off the page, and I went and looked over, and it was notes from when they had visited our church in Maui just a few months ago. And um, it stirred me. So I took a snap of it with my phone, and I've been praying over it, and so I bring it to you, the remixed version. <laughs> Original outline coming from Dr. Morocco. God has given us a mandate a mandate to his church to multiply through the spreading of the gospel worldwide. The mandate upon us is not just to reach our state. Well, we'll do that. We are doing that. All kinds of amazing things are happening. I mean, over and over. I mean, just last week, we just talked about 100 souls being led to Jesus on Thursday. Before that, it was 68, 54, 44, and then 44. And those are all individual day counts that took place. And it's just growing and growing. And, and a team of people is actually rising, which is what needs to happen. 
and we're so encouraged by that because God has given us a mandate to spread the good news of Jesus, not just here, not just to the, our neighbors, not just to our, our Jerusalem, but to our Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what he's called us to do. It's a mandate to do that. I think we're 234 different churches around the world. The real question is, write in your notes now, the real question is, Are there things that we can do to position ourselves to grow individually and as a church? And the answer to that is, yes, there is. There is a better way of doing what you're doing. There's always a more efficient way. There's always a better way. There's always a better way of multiplying. God has principles in the Word, and if you'll learn to apply them, and that's the the crux of the series that I'm beginning, learning to live a supernatural life of multiplication. God wants to bless you. He wants to increase you. He wants you to prosper you in every area of your life. And there's very clear principles. This principle called by Dr. Morocco, Dr. Yonggi Cho, and many other church growth folks around the world is called the Jethro Principle. So let's look at the text here in chapter 18. We get a glimpse of Moses' father-in-law here, Jethro, major player here in Exodus. Jethro comes to visit Moses and bring Moses' wife and children back to him. They've been separated since the time that the Lord sought to kill him. And Zipporah then circumcised the two sons. The Lord let him go. Zipporah and the boys went back, went back home and, and went on to, Moses went on to be the deliverer. After Moses shared verse 8, look at verse 8 with me. Exodus 18 and verse 8. And Moses took his father-in-law, pardon me, and Moses told his father-in-law, is there any way to give me more light right back here? Sweet. God bless you, your whole family, and everything that you put your hand to. Hallelujah. I felt like I just got a devil broken off the pulpit. Glory. Hey, glory. let there be light. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Some of you thought I was dyslexic. I am. <laughs> all right. Stumbling over all these words that were a little bit hard to see. Moses told his father-in-law all the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships. So he testifies Moses is testifying of all the good things the Lord had done for Israel. And the testimony of Moses stirs inside Jethro to actually cause him to become a believer. Really? Yeah. He gets converted. Where do you see that? Again, verse 8. It's right there. Verse 9, Jethro was delighted to hear about the good things the Lord had done for Israel. And rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. And you see three things that Jethro then does. It's very unique. One, in verse 9, he praised the Lord. He worshiped God. Now I always thought, honestly, I always thought that Jethro was kind of a worshiper of God already. But he wasn't. Because you see this in this next verse where it says, the Lord, verse 11, he recognized that, that the Lord is greater than all the other pagan gods. Look at verse 11. Now I know. Now I what? Now I know. That's the word know there in the Hebrew is yada. It's, it's a deep, intimate knowing. I played football in the peewee leagues. I played football in high school. I suited up for college. When I went from high school to college, they said, um, they hit really a lot harder in college. I'm like, whatever, bro. 
You know, I, I, I got a good bench. I got a good squat. I hit hard, too. I'm going to hit hard. Yeah, until after that first practice, and I was fishing my mouthpiece out of the back of my throat because Bubba crushed me, buried me 15 feet into the ground, and they sort of peeled me up like a cartoon off the ground. I realized then, then I knew that they hit harder in college. And pro ball is a whole nother level all by itself. This says, now I know. Now I what? Now I know. Intimate Knowledge, not head knowledge, heart knowledge. Like really like, whoa, he did what? He defeated all the gods of Egypt. He, the, wow, wow, turned the Nile to blood. Whoa, he, what? He killed all the, the firstborn. And everybody's like, yep, that's what happened. And he's like, now I know. God, your God, your God, the burning bush, the guy said, God, your God. Now I know your God's bigger than anything I've ever worshiped. That's what he says. He gets, he gets converted. He gets saved. And Jethro brings this burnt offering, and burnt offerings are always a picture of repentance, a picture of dealing with one's sin. And what's fascinating to me is he brings this burnt offering, he repents, and he, he's, he's become a believer in the Lord God. And instantly the Lord speaks to him and gives him wisdom. Let me say this. When you receive Jesus, you got to get serving God. you got to get plugged in and start being able to be used. Jethro instantly instantly has wisdom from the throne, which is amazing to me. And Jethro observes Moses, you know, from sunup to sundown, judging all the people. Well, they stood before him morning till evening, verse 13, two million people, can you imagine? I've had moments of feeling like that, but clearly this was far more. The people wanted to know God's will in matters of life. And Moses, since he knew God's law, felt he was the only one that could help them. What a narrow-minded way of thinking, which was going to basically kill him and wear him out. Can you, imagine if you, can you imagine if you had to wait to get wisdom from the Lord in a long line of people, and like you might not even make it the first day, and then you hold your two million, let's say, I mean, how many people are getting wisdom? Two million people. Maybe 10%? I mean, how many is that? So they wait in the line, I mean, they camped out, Moses is up there day and night, day and night, day and night. Well, I, I think they're going to get me in here next week sometime as you wait there in line. I'd wear you out. The key to multiplication of justice for Israel, the key to stop burnout for multiplication in your life, if you're burning out, you need to change some things. You say, are you burning out, Pastor? Nope. But we're needing to multiply for sure. The key to multiplication for justice for Israel, the stomping burnout for Moses, the key to, to his multiplication in your life and business in our church is the multiplication of leaders, the creating of teams. Well, let me just like make it plain. Like, okay, so you are a household technician. So you work at home and you have babies. You train your babies as soon as you possibly can to clean stuff that, so you don't have to do it anymore. And you train that husband of yours, no comments from the front row, you, to pick up his BVDs. I was in Kentucky. I was in Kentucky, and this, this uh, lady from the country, uh, you know what I mean by country? Okay, like country. I don't mean like, you know, we live in a rural area. You could say that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking country, it's like the bush kind of thing. 
she got so touched by the Lord, so she says, she says to the pastor, hey, pastor, I need to get the BVD of that sermon right there. I, I won't watch that DVD. It's a DVD. Anyway. <laughs> I have no idea how I'm going to tie that in, but I thought it was funny. I had it in the beginning, and then, I, and then I lost it. There needs to come a multiplication of leaders. You need to, oh, yeah, BVD, husband, BVD, DVD, I got it. Okay, so you, you need to help. You, you need to train people to carry the weight. You need to, you need to delegate. Fill in the blank. If you want a job, a job done right. Okay, there was a mixture because some of you are like, do it yourself. Yeah, that's what we were taught. That's true. Moses had that. You want a job done right? Come talk to me. Raise your right hand. The Lord says, all right, and he tells him, right? Right. Millions of people. No, and, and Jethro gets saved and instantly as Revelation says, you're jacked up. You're going to burn yourself out. You need to raise up other people. There's other people that need to pick up the house besides you. There's other people that need to do the laundry besides you. I'm like, I can feel the energy of ladies in the house just be like, oh, look at that. Hey, <laughs> Settle down on the front. Ushers, help this lady out. Okay. Leaders. You've got to create leaders in your home. You've got to create leader teams. You've got to develop teams in your business. Unless you want to do that until you're 80 and then close your business. You want to do all the work until you can't do it anymore and then you close and then you close your business? No. You want to disciple people. You want to raise up leaders. And the same is true for a church. Understanding the Jethro principle very quickly now. Eight things to live a life of supernatural multiplication. Eight things, all right? The Jethro principle is the basis for, before we get into all of that, is the basis for the effectiveness of multi-level marketing. Uh, let, me, let me roll it back and, and say it was Jesus' model. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send another. I've chosen you 12. It would be better for me to go so that I can multiply myself into a team and the 12 become 120, become us standing here and sitting in church, worshiping God, praying in the Spirit. There's been a multiplication. Jesus did it. Multi-level marketing. Uh, Multi-level marketing is, uh, some have called it the third wave. Some, you know, I mean, there's different things. I, I've tried different multi-level marketing uh, ideas. Some uh, were great. They were great. I just can't do it because I can't push anything but Jesus. So I, I, I don't, and, and I've got other pastor friends that relate differently and think differently about it. But for me, I never want anybody to think that I have a relationship with them because I want to sell them some juice or a magnet, or, or something like that. I'm, I'm not knocking out. There's people that have done very well, very successful, give hugely to the kingdom. I don't think there's anything wrong with it unless you're using that relationship to, uh, to basically ingratiate yourself and taking advantage of people. You can be a blessing, but, it, but in multi-level marketing, how many of you have done multi-level marketing? Raise your hand. All right. In multi-level marketing, the whole deal is raise up your downline. Raise up leaders under you because you ain't going to get any multi-nothing if you just do all the work yourself because only one person can do so much. Oh, but a hundred people selling like you, that could be amazing. And that's the power of multi-level marketing. It's the power uh, uh, of, of corporations, the growth of corporations. Write in your notes. Management systems can be created for large multifunctional corporations. It's the, it's the modern military. Come on, Brother Toby, all the way in the back. That's the military. If everybody stayed a private, that would be a nightmare. You've got to raise up leaders. 
commanders, over 50, over 100, and I don't know all the, uh, you know, who's called what in that, but I mean, the military, they've got rank and file and order, and the idea is raise up leaders to lead men and women. Amen. Thank you. Once again on the front row, Pastor Karen. It's the growth, the growth of the largest churches in the world have taken place because there's been a multiplication of leaders. And that is what has happened here in this house. And that is what has to happen for us to do what God's called us to do. There has, come on, if you had one worship leader in this place, their vocal cords would be like, you know, lying on the ground, you know, just going to say they'd have altoids on their vote. What's not, what is it? It's uh, uh, the hemorrhoids. Right. And uh, you don't want hemorrhoids on your vocal cords. Come on. Game over. You're not going to remember anything I said now. You have to, because you'll burn out. You will burn out. We need to build teams. Say it. We need to build, we need to build teams. If you look at the, the, well, it's not the largest church in the world now. Uh, but you could look at that one. The largest church in the world now is in Nigeria. But Dr. Yonggi Cho, he started the church with eight people in a war-torn Korea in a, in a, a U.S. military tent that had holes in it with eight women. I, I say it that way because in Korea, and you're, if you're a woman in Korea back then, you didn't have any rights. You, like, did nothing. And he had eight women, one, and, and like his mother and his sister, and then some friends of theirs. And it's eight people. And they grew to, to many, many hundreds of thousands, well over a million, and have impacted the whole nation of Korea. And in fact, have impacted the world. And anywhere he would travel, I mean, he's getting older now, but anywhere he would travel, we, we've seen him and been a part of his ministry where he preached, preached to us in Maui year after year or every three years or so. He would show up, and all of a sudden, there's just Koreans from everywhere. I mean, I don't even know there are that many Koreans in the islands. And they would show up all the way at the airport. They're there giving him honor, saying hi to him. And they're like droves. You just follow him. How'd that happen? Eight people to people following him everywhere in every state that he goes. In any nation that he travels, Korean tra- Koreans travel with him or come out of the woodwork there and find Dr. Yonggi Cho. Why is that? Because he multiplied and he created leaders. Of course, it took till he got 3,000 people in attendance in his church. And he almost killed himself. Not take his own life. He wore himself out. He got up to preach. He fell out. They brought him to the hospital. The doctor said, you'll never preach again. While he's lying there, his church is about 3,000 people. He's doing all the work, all the preaching. He's doing everything. He's lying there, and the Lord spoke to him and said, you need to raise up leaders. And he showed him this text out of the book of Exodus about Jethro. And so he talked to the men, and the men said, no, we're not interested. We'll pay for everything. We'll be the businessmen. We hired you to do it. You do it. So they wouldn't do it. And the Lord spoke to him and said, choose all the women. He did. He chose the women, and the women started these life groups, and it exploded. And eventually the men got jealous and got a part of it, and, the, and, and then, come on, then they began to get with men. are sometimes a little slow, um, you know, a little dull, because there's a chromosomal wash that happens over their minds when they're in the womb, which is awesome, which is awesome. God forbid you're in a, in a, in a, uh, a, a war or a scenario or somebody comes after you, or God forbid somebody would, you know, break into your house or something. I'm going to tell you what. I ain't hiding under my bed. I'm coming out. Guns blazing. I'm ready to go. Because I got a dull place. I don't have fear there. I'm charging. Where you might be like, Lord, help my husband. He'll be like, that's right. 
bah! I'm not afraid. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's men and women. It's a gift. Unless it comes to picking up your DVDs. All right, where are we? Everybody say teams. All right. The principle believes that people can be used by God to fulfill his purpose. That is a revelation. When I got a hold of the fact long time ago that God wanted to use the likes of me, I, I think I cried for that throughout that day like, are you serious? Are you serious? Wait, I thought I was disqualified. No, 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 you're qualified. You can be an assistant. I thought, what? Can you tell me that again? I mean, I just, I just didn't have any confidence in me doing anything. And so the, the Lord wants to speak to you today to tell you that you are his plan. God's, God's plan as a man, as a woman, to drop vision in them and allow them to flow and function to raise up other people. And if you actually never get involved in the bringing about the purpose of a vision, then you will miss your God-given purpose. you got to be willing. So that's a revelation. The principle believes that God, can, God wants to use people. People can be used by God to fulfill his purpose. Come on, say, I can be used by God to fulfill his purpose. Who would think? Huh, John Duke, I'm going to prick on you again. PTSD, messed up, kicked out of counseling years ago. God saves you, fills you full of his spirit, fills you full of the word, gives you a burden for people, a burden broken for the lost. Because you just can't help but share about Jesus. God's using you, and you're stirring other people. Like, like Tony the Tiger and others. There's got to be, a, there's some keys here. You've got to be willing to be used by God. You know, so many people go to church for so long and they're never willing to do anything. And they miss out on the joy of serving Him. If the desire is not there, you say, well, I'm not willing. I don't really care. I just want to come Sunday or I just want to hear you online. I, you know, I'm not really. Well, listen, if you actually have that heart in you, don't get offended at me. I'm just saying, if that's the case, you might have backslid. I'm going to say it's sweet. This is a Dr. Morocco line. It's really kind. I would say it differently. Here we go. If that desire is not there, I love this. this. is so sweet. If that desire is not there to do something for God, your relationship with the Lord may need to be rekindled. <laughs> Much like marriage has gone through, has gone stale, and one thinks about, you know, it needs to be rekindled. I would say, <laughs> I'm, I'm practicing to be more gracious. If, if you're not on fire for God, you, you know, he, he'll spit you out of his mouth. I'm going to quote Revelation. You be, you don't be lukewarm. And if you don't have a desire to do something for him, um, you're going to really regret that when you stand before him on the judgment day. So you better strike a match, honey. All right. They got to fear the Lord. You must fear the Lord. This is right in verse 21. These are some of the criteria for, for leaders in the, as a part of the team. There's got to be a fear of the Lord. There's got to be a holding God in awe. There's gotta, if you don't hold God in awe, you disqualify yourself. You have to hold God in awe. You've got to draw near to God. You've got to be trustworthy. Everybody say trustworthy. I mean, this is right from the text. You've got to keep your word. Listen, if you're always late, I can just tell you a pet peeve for me. If, if you're always late, I just, I just have a hard time respecting that. And I, I, it's probably from my father who's a Marine. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But if you're always late, how about, 
How about you just back your alarm clock up and get up 15 minutes earlier? If you're always late, it's because your time's more important than everybody else's. And now how many of you know that's not true? We will always start, we always, 99.9% of the time, start our service exactly when we say we're going to start it. You know why that is? Because we've declared that we're starting at 9, we start at 9. Not 9.01, not 9.02, 9 o'clock, according to AT&T time, we start. Why is that? Yeah, that clock's not exactly right. Amen. Why is that? Because we believe it's God's time, and we're not going to rip off time from God. All right, so you got to be trustworthy. You got to love people. You got to what? Love people. If you're not trustworthy, then that would disqualify you. If you don't love people, how many of you know you need to get healed? Deuteronomy, where do you find that? Deuteronomy 1.13, as Moses is talking kind of about this, he's talking about loving people. Don't show partiality and don't fear them. Don't love them. Love people. You got to love people. I've had pastor friends of mine that said, I love preaching, but I hate the people. I thought, no, you're really an entertainer. You should quit. You should quit and then just go do your singing, dancing, whatever you do, as opposed to your little performing thing. We don't need more performers. We need more shepherds. We need more evangelists. We need more apostles. We need more prophets. We need more people. F, be trained. Everybody say, be trained. You know, it requires training. I've received lots of training. I get trained all the time. My wife's still working on that. But I, 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 that was a joke. Receive training. You've got to receive training. You know, every church has a different culture. Please hear me. Every church has a different culture. The culture of this church is different than maybe the church you came out of, if you came out of another one. And I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly not saying anything negative about that church, whatever church that is. God bless you. We love the body of Christ. We're not going to do things the way another church does simply because we do things the way the Lord would lead us to. Now, I would ha- I'm a gleaner, so what that basically means is I'll rip off a good idea to use it to reach more people any day of the week. Amen. So we do that. We, 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 I call it gleaning. Ripping off doesn't sound so good. It's, it's, it's gleaning, okay? But we're, we're a church that prays, okay? So there's a lot of churches that don't pray. That's between them and the Lord. For us, we have seven-day-a-week prayer. Why would you do that? Because the, the reason you see the building over there, the reason you see all the growth, the power, the freedom, that, that moment in the service this morning, brief, but a moment of, of power and, and presence, that doesn't come just because uh, our sister sang really good, and you did and you were all worried. It came because of a culture of prayer and worship. The, the presence of God, very important to us. Let me say this. The presence of God is, is preeminent in our services, meaning he has preeminence. Not my message right now. So that's, that's maybe not the way it is for other churches. I, I was talking with somebody recently who was telling me, you know, uh, I was taught that you, you know, you need to keep church in balance. And you need to have family time. And you really need to protect your family. And you should really only go to church once a week. Can I tell you what kind of a bunch of hogwash that is? And let me just prove it. Let me prove it. Now, listen, if you have a revelation about that and you truly are having anointed family time, praise God. Most families go home to defile themselves in front of Netflix. Or they're all on their phones while they sit around the table in family time when you could actually be worshiping, hearing the word, and growing in the things of God. Now, there are exceptions, and maybe you fall into one of those exceptions, but I've found mostly across America, pastors have swallowed the, 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 
the lie that people don't want to go to church on Sunday night, that it's too much for people to serve on Sunday night, that it's too much to have a Wednesday. And so you just want to have, so they have buildings like that architect that once said, you know, what do you do for a living? The architect said, well, I design churches. I design buildings that people use for two hours once on a Sunday morning. That is not how we've designed this building. And I will tell you that we will always have lots of, this place is seven days a week. People can come. People can get discipled. I've seen dysfunctional folks where in their life their whole home is blown to pieces. Not, you know what I mean? They, they, they need to clean their house. Hello? They need to take care of their car. They need to do some laundry. They need to learn how to handle their finances. I've seen people shift all their addiction to the Lord and just kind of go for that. But you know what happens over time is they, they get healed and it settles out. We, we believe in praying for the sick. We believe in flowing in the Holy Ghost. And if you've come from an open, uh, another church and you, you desire to be in leadership, I'm so glad. We had, what did we have, 50-plus people in, in our leaders' training. Bumper crop yesterday. A whole bunch of people went to that lead class, learned about leading. Well, if you've come from another church, I'm, you know, and God moves people around. How many of you know they're his sheep? You all belong to him. Amen. I'm just an under-shepherd. So if God leads you to go to another church, may the Lord bless you. Let us know. We'll lay hands on you, bless you, and rejoice for the season that you were with us. If you've come from another church, welcome. But understand that, that you've got to be willing to learn. Not every church has the same vision. All churches should be preaching the gospel, winning the lost. Amen? All right. Keep in mind that all of us have various levels of capabilities. We're worship team. Actually, just the keys is fine. Different levels of capabilities. When I first got saved, I was a one-cylinder, maybe I was a half-a-cylinder person, like a moped. And then, you know, altar calls, discipleship, getting free. I think the Lord gave me a whole cylinder after that. And then in time, as I was just continued to serve my wife, I think we ended up with a three-banger. How many of you know that? Three cylinders. Couldn't hardly do, couldn't hardly tie my shoe and chew gum. And then before you know it, we're in a life group and helping people. I've seen people come in with hardly any capability, I mean like brain damage, but they're faithful, loyal, and because of their faithfulness and their loyalty and the love for the Lord, the Lord regenerates or does something in their mind, takes off the broken place and puts capability on the inside of them. And someone who didn't even have a cylinder, someone who was by the side of the road, all of a sudden, is a 12-cylinder twin-turbo-charged with nitrous. Yeah. God's given you capabilities, but use them. And as you do that, God will, God will help you. And He'll elevate you. Multiply yourself by investing in what others do. Learning to live the supernatural life of multiplication. You must Create teams. Everything in the kingdom grows. So as you serve, even in your home, in your business, look to multiply. How are you going to multiply if you don't multiply? Be fruitful and? Amen. Some of you need to have lots of babies. Amen. I'm done, but we're done with that. Wally's like, that's right. But we're not done making leaders, are we? We're never going to be done with that. Multiply yourself. Did you get something from the Lord? Stand up on your feet all across this place. 
Father, I pray that you'd release, Lord, a fresh revelation to us of how we can multiply and raise up the next generation, raise up others in our midst. Touch each and every one. Break off stagnancy. Renew our minds. Help us. Help us to serve for those who are not serving in some capacity in the vision here. I pray they'd be able to find ourselves a place to serve because we need laborers. Listen, here, look at me. I'm telling you, we need laborers. The church is growing at an insane rate. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. So for those of you that have been here for a while, get to work. Come on, smile at me. Find a place to serve. Ushers, greeters, something. Learn, do something. Get involved in prayer. Why? Because we need help. I will not burn out because God's going to raise you up. Amen? Our leadership's not going to burn out because God's going to multiply our leadership. Come on. I am blessed and I will multiply. Make it pers- make it corporate. We are, we are blessed and we will multiply. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or in recommitment. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill and touch. Empower your people with this principle in their business, in their home, in the community here in the church, that we would see many, many, many leaders rise to be able to plant churches all over the state, all over the nation, and the nations of the world. Lord, bring and release a spirit of multiplication upon us the blessing of God and supernatural multiplication upon businesses, upon homes, upon families, upon the church, the vision, the community. God, raise up leaders of every type and capability for the glory of God. That when we're, when we're done, when we, when we hear that trumpet sound or when we go to meet you, we would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Now, Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance to us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. Amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.